So in, in Exodus chapter 3, and beginning with verse 11. So Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to this, say this to Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. If I said no more and I didn't speak anything else but that, I could be done. I mean, you got all you need to know right there. Take the time to read it slowly and let it sink in. God just is. Amen? We come on the backdrop of a great event in Moses' life. One of many. I mean, his birth was miraculous. His saving, being saved by being placed in the basket and floating down the Nile River is fantastic. Being found by Pharaoh's daughter, raised in the household of Pharaoh, being considered Pharaoh's son is a miracle in and of itself. The fact that his own mother, who birthed him, got paid by Pharaoh's daughter to nurse him in his young years of life. The fact that he was given back to Pharaoh's daughter. And the fact that all these things that happened in Moses' life. And then the last time, the week before, we talked about the great, one of the great events of all, the burning bush event. I mean, that was, that was something that nobody has ever experienced in their life and nobody ever will. I mean, to see a bush, every time you see a bush, now you ought to think about this, to see a bush burning but not consumed. We have our event out at Brother David's during normal times. One of my marks of my church that has marked me is, remember the fire pastor said on fire of the year when whoosh, the hay bales went up in flames, and we were looking at the trees going, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Some of y'all have never let me forget that. Moses doing what he was doing, all of a sudden he comes upon a bush, and it's burning, but it's not being burned up. It's not being consumed. I don't know about you, but I would have to stop and look at that. I'd be like, whoa, what is this? Am I, I know I need glasses, but am I saying right? And then God speaks from within to Moses and talks to Moses and tells Moses, 
And he really comes at the, at the right before we get to chapter or verse 11 of chapter 3. What he says is this. Moses, I am sending you. I have I heard the cry of my people. I've heard them. And I am, remember we talked about this, I am coming down to rescue them. For God to leave where he is to come down to rescue his people speaks about how great God is. Not only that, but the same God that did it then is the same God we serve now. Every now and then, when you're praying and I'm praying and we're beseeching God and we're, we're asking God to work a miracle in our life. We're asking God to do something in somebody else's life. We're asking God to, hey, God, are you hearing me? I'm praying and it seems like nothing is changing. That was the Israelites. 300 years of slavery, praying, asking God for deliverance. And guess what? God heard them. And God says, I heard their plea. I heard their cry. And I'm coming down. And I'm going to rescue them. And then he tells Moses, by the way, you know, you need to be humble. Forty years you were raised by Pharaoh. All the luxury and all the things that went with that. You were in a household where everything was at your disposal. People knew who you were. And you thought on your own that you were going to do great things. Do not these people know who I am? I'm Moses. I'm the one that's going to rescue you. Oh, no, 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 no. See, whenever you and I think we're better than God, whenever you and I think that we don't need God, that's why I really believe part of all the stuff that's happening in our country, it should be a humbling of we as a people to show us, guess what? United States of America, you're not as big as bad as you think you are. You have touted yourself for years as being, and the world has accepted, you're the greatest nation on earth. Guess what? You're not as great as you think you are. You can't even get along within your own borders. 50 states plus two others, Puerto Rico and whatever, not I forget what the other one is. Y'all don't know how to get along. How are you going to go tell other people how they ought to do their business and how they ought to conduct themselves when you can't even take care of your own house? That makes no sense. It makes no sense to send out missionaries and we to go out if we cannot take care of our very own house. Now, that's not how God operates. And who is a brother? You said. Brother Leo, I think you heard me this morning. You packing churches out across the United States. Folks dropping like flies. People in hospitals. Nurses and doctors are stretched and stressed to the point that they're about ready to give up and retire. The side effects of all this will be there will be with and when we come back to what may be normal, whatever that means. There's a lot of doctors and nurses that talk about they may not stay in that. They're burnt out. Hours. One doctor left the other night worked a 16-hour shift. He said, I was supposed to be off at this time, but I worked four more hours. Nurses leaning against their counters in their wards wore out and crying because they had to make a phone call 
the three, four, five families and say, by the way, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your niece, your nephew, your cousin passed away. And the flippantness of our society, the lack of concern for others, the presumption that if I get sick, I'm just going to go to the hospital. That's a big presumption. You may go, but they may turn you away. New York City is already talking about, and other places in the United States are already talking about, uh, we, need to bring back, we need to bring back the tents. Put a tent out there on the football field out there by Wilmington High School or at the fairgrounds or at so wherever. Uh, Cornerstone, you got that nice big parking lot. Can we put some tents in property? Can we put some tents out there in case of the overflow from the hospital? Can we use your, your land? But here in this thing, to me, is who we are as our, in our human nature. Now catch this. Burning bush. God speaks. God says, I hear your rescue. I am sending you, he says in verse 10, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israel Israelites, out of Egypt. Who's talking? God is. Okay? God's telling Moses, I'm sending you to go deliver my people. Don't be hard on Moses. Don't be hard on yourself. Because in the next very verse, but Moses asked God. He has an asking. This is the asking. Moses, just God just told you, I'm sending you, Moses. Verse 11, but Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I, I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? His question is, a question that many of us ask when God tells us to do something. Who, me? You want me to do what? Wait a minute. Rewind. God just spoke. God spoke directly to Moses and told Moses, I am sending you. God said that to him. Why is he asking the question? Why would he question God? Because he is like us. Even though God speaks to us, even though God has blessed us, we tend to forget who did it. And in verse 11, Moses simply asked, who am I? Uh, hold it. Did I hear you correctly? You're sending me to deliver, to be part of the process of delivering the people of Israel out of Egypt. Who am I? Have you ever asked that question of God? Who am I? Lord, what is it you want me to do? And then, who am I? I'm, I'm not qualified. I, I don't have degrees behind my name. I don't have the most melodious voice. I don't have the most, and that's all those things that we throw up to God why we can't do what God wants us to do is the very thing that Moses is going to do to God. I'm not able to communicate. God, I, I need somebody to help me talk to the people. Remember I talked about a, a, a few weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was, God's got this. Why would God pick Moses and not know everything that Moses was going to ask? He says, who am I? 
then I should go to Pharaoh, and, I, and, and not only go to Pharaoh and tell him, but go to, the, go to Pharaoh and talk to him, but I'm bringing these people out of Egypt? Why do you think Moses had 40 years with Pharaoh and then another 40 years on the backside of a desert tending sheep? Not five days, not 10 days, not two years, not 10 years. 40 years of being on the backside of no, 40 years of being in a place where everybody knew who he was, had access to his American Express card, could buy anything and everything, do whatever he wanted. Then another 40 years on, behind that, being in nowheresville. Nobody knew who was Moses. Who's Moses? Where he went to, nobody knew his name. And then to have God pick him. God says, I'm sending you down there to deliver my people. Who, me? He's asking God. Who, me? Why would, I, why would you do that? Amen? But Moses has to ask him the question. But also, God's going to say, whom I ask to do something, I will also qualify. Okay? You have the qualifying and the assuring from God in verse 12. He answered. Who's the he? God. God answers and he says, I will certainly be with you. That's all you need. That's all you need. I will certainly be with you. Well, number one, you told me, I, you're, you told me you're sending me. Got it. The sending. Then I ask, I'm asking questions about who me. And now you're giving me the qualifying and the assuring. But, but he says, I will certainly be with you, and this will be the sign. Not only am I, I going to tell you in verse 12 that I will be with you, but I'm also going to let you know there's going to be a sign. How will you know that I am with you? Amen. That I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people, of, of bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. I will be with you. He can say that to any one of us. He has said that to all of us. I'm with you. I'm more with you than the whole world is against you. I'm bigger than the U.S. government. I'm bigger than Biden. I'm bigger than Trump. I'm bigger than the Republicans. I'm bigger than the Democrats. I'm, big, I'm bigger than the progressives. All this mess y'all worried about. I'm bigger than all of that. Because all I got to say to all of you is drop dead and you're going to be gone. That's how bad you are. I'm bigger than COVID-19. It came out of nowhere and it can disappear out of nowhere. That's how big God is. He says, Moses, why are you asking? I told you, and then I tell you, I will be with you. What more do you need? I'll be with you. Wherever you are, wherever God has planted you, guess what? God will be with you. Working at Kroger's with all the craziness and the people wearing masks, not wearing masks, disease and everything else. Guess what? God be with you. Wherever you work at, wherever you're employed, if you do the right things and you're God's child, God's going to be with you. Somebody says, well, what happens if, well, Pastor, you can say, what happens if I get COVID? If you get COVID, it's all because God has allowed it. 
And maybe it ain't about you getting COVID. Maybe it's about how God's going to bring you through. Maybe God's going to test your faith. You, you, we like to wolf and bluff. God, I got great faith. I believe in you, God. I trust you. I, okay, okay. But when life events happen, how much of that faith and trust do you and I really have? When our loved ones start acting crazy, and we figure, try to figure out how we're going to get them to behave right. Then you can't get them to behave right. you got to turn them over to Jesus. The old timer said, bring it to the what? Altar and what? Leave it there. Oh, you can't change your son and daughter or husband, wife. and You just got to say, Lord, <laughs> I just ask that you would uh, just touch my son, my whoever. They're acting crazy. They act like they don't know you. They act like they don't, they don't raise right. So you know what? I could talk to them, but they may not change it. But if you talk to them, as God is talking to Moses, Moses, I said to you, Moses, I will be with you. And God, by the way, Moses, the sign is going to be this. When you lead my people out of Egypt, not if, not maybe, but what? When you parallel that to when Jesus told the disciples, let us go to the other side. Now, he didn't say that there would not be a storm between the time they left until they got to the other side. But he did say, let us, plural, go to the other side. Which says to me that they were going to make it to the other side. He's told us, I have not left you. I have not forsaken you. I will be with you. No matter what you're going through, in the midst of all the pain and sorrow that goes on in your life, guess what? God will tell us and tell you, he is with you. Lose a mother, lose a father, lose a son, lose whatever, lose your job, get sick, pain in your body, bad knees, bad back, bad hips, bad that, all that. Guess what? God is with you. He doesn't give us the assurance. You're going to make it. I never told you it's going to be easy. But I did tell you I'll be with you. Moses, I already told you, I'm sending you. I have already told you, I will be with you. I already told you, I am giving you a sign. You will bring my people, not yours, Moses, but my people out of Egypt. And guess what? The very mountain you saw me in the, very, in the burning bush is the very mountain you're going to have to come down and worship. commentator said it's interesting that the word worship is also the word slave. God delivered them out of slavery and now he's delivered them to the slavery of worshiping him. Amen, lights and walls. We're to be slaves to God. They were literally physically slaves in Egypt God says, you're coming back to this very spot, Moses, where I spoke to you in the burning bush. That's going to be an important, I told you, that's going to be a, a key mountaintop experience. And that mountain will mean a lot and still means a lot to the nation of Israel till today because of all the things that happened at that mountain. For at that very mountain when they're delivered, yes, they worship God. At that same mountain, they're also going to receive the Ten Commandments. Moses is going to go up. God's going to, with his finger, write the Ten Commandments. At mountain was a lot. 
Amen. You're going to come and worship me. There is nothing. The questioning, the doubting. He says, if I go. What do you mean, if? How are you going to say, if I go, when God's done told you, I'm sending you? Does Does that make sense? Moses says, if I go, wait a minute. If? I don't think there's any, there's no reason to say if. Verse 13 says, then Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say that, no, 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 Moses, you missed it. I told you I am sending you. I told you I will be with you. There is no if I go. If I go to the Israelites and say to them, if I do do this, Lord, and I say to them, what am I going to tell them? If I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? What should I tell them? I parallel this to what I can see happening in the United States today. Some prophet, some man of God, some little dude, some woman, some whatever, goes to Washington, D.C. and says, by the way, I need to tell you all something. Who are you? I'm really a nobody. I'm, I'm Byron McGee. I live in the city of Wilmington. I pastor a small church in Wilmington, Ohio. Where is Wilmington, Ohio? Well, Wilmington, Ohio, sir, is between Dayton, Cincinnati, and Columbus. Well, between Columbus and Cincinnati, right? Almost in the middle. An hour, basically, to Columbus, 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic, to Cincinnati. We're, what, west of Dayton? I mean, that's, remember DHL? That's, that's where I'm from. That's, our, that's our, one of our claim to fames. You say DHL, then people go back. Remember the Keyhole Brothers that was on the news, that shooting out there? Yeah, that's where I'm from. Cornfield, man. Okay. Moses, if I go and tell these people this, the God of your fathers, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, surely they will remember that. If I say the God of your fathers has sent me to you, but what they ask me, what's his name? So you got to understand, while they were in Egypt, even though God was in their presence, they were around total ungodliness. Egypt had a multitude of gods. They had a god for the sun. They had a god for the moon. They had a god for the water. They had a god for the birds. They had gods everywhere. Little g. Polytheistic. Many gods. And even though in the back of their mind, they should have known about the true living God, they, like us, got tangled into the world system. That's our problem today with the church. That's the problem with some of us as believers. We're trying to take a little bit of religion, and religion has nothing to do with salvation, a little bit of religion and mix it in with what we think is salvation. We are religious. That will send you straight to hell. Salvation, on the other hand, is a whole other story. I know in who I am, I have believed, and I am persuaded, persuaded what? That he is able to do everything but fail in life. There are a multitude of religions. A lot of our churches are religious. A lot of our people are religious. God never asked us to be religious. God asked us to be saved. Saints. So if I go down here, if I go, no, 
There's no if. You are going. Who will I tell them? Sent me. They're going to ask me, by what authority are you coming down to say this? What's his name? God, what am I going to tell them? By what authority am I going to go down to Egypt? I mean, I was there. I had to leave because I killed somebody. So they already got that against me. I'm a murderer. Now I've been out tending sheep on the, on the, on the, on the back side. That's another low mark. I'm, they didn't, shepherds were never considered worthy of anything. They were unclean people because of what they dealt with. So I'm ceremonially unclean. I done murdered a man. That's why he's asking these questions. How, why me? Who, who am I? I'm not qualified. Maybe in your life, things you have done or are doing or will do, you're already said to yourself, I'm not qualified. You don't qualify yourself. God qualifies us. Ain't, about you being, ain't nobody qualified to do anything. God is the qualifier. There's no man born alive that is qualified to stand behind this desk and preach the word of God. He who is the qualifier is the one that anoints that person to be able to do it. Whatever it might be. It's God. It ain't about you. God, Moses had to get this out of his mind. It's not about you, Moses. It's all about me. Who am I? I'm not qualified. Anybody. What authority am I going to do this? Here it is. Believe that God just is. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you have to say to the Israelites. Just tell them, I am sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to Israel, the Israelites. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. That's what you got to say. That's all you need to say. They go ask you the question, who am I? What you tell them is, I am. Just tell them, I am. Not will be, could be, may be, just first person singular, I am. Remember back in school when you have first person singular, plural? I, we, you, you, he, she, it, they. You remember, can you go back that far and remember that? Barely. I am. What does that mean? It just simply means this. He is self-existent. Amen? He is self God don't need us. God don't need the world. God has always been. In the beginning, God created. Not in the beginning, God was created. But in the beginning, out of total nothingness, which is hard for us to even comprehend, out of nothing at all in the universe or the world that we know it, out of sheer nothing, God spoke everything into existence. He is self-existent. He's always has will and will always will be, exists in and of himself. He needs no outside source. He doesn't have to plug into anything. He doesn't have to tap into anything. He is. That's why he says, I am. I don't need you. He don't need you. He don't need me to do what he wants to do. He can do it on his own. 
but he has elected by his own choice to call out people to be a people for his name. Old Testament, the, the true nation of God, the true people of God, is not the United States of America. It's not France, Germany, or, or any other. It is the nation of Israel. And as much as we think we're that bad that God anointed us, God did not. And in the New Testament, in this new covenant that he has made, guess who he wants to use along with Israel? We, the church, the Gentiles. Whether you like it or not, you're now part of those, what people call those people. Huh? We're the others. Amen. Like the wall. We are the others. When people say, well, you know, them people over there, or those people back over there. No, you're now part of those and them. God's elected it to be that way. We're Gentiles. Moses, all you got to say is self-existing God. Amen. In Exodus 6.60, it says, the reason why I did all this is because I'm going to redeem and rescue them. In chapter 34, and verse 5 and 7, he says, I've been faithful to them. How, how all this speaks to his relationship to his people. He redeemed them. He was faithful to them. And he makes a covenant with them. In other words, God's always present. Simple terms, God never sleeps nor slumbers. He's always awake. He's always here. Where can I go to flee from the Lord? Nowhere. If I make my bed in hell, guess what? He's there. If I go to the heights of heaven, guess what? He's there. No matter where people may go, God's always there. You can't hide from God. Try to pull off some of your little dirty little deeds you're doing. I may not see you. The church, we may not see you. The binoculars of God. Well, what are you doing that for? I see you. You can't hide. Pitch black. Can't see a thing. God sees. Well, you know, I, I think we'll just, I think I'll take a trip to Bali. Ain't nobody in Bali. Ain't nobody I know in Bali. I don't know anybody in Bali. Guess what? One time you go, somebody else that you know decides to go to Bali too. And you're trying to pull off something. And, hey, Byron, how you doing? I thought I was hiding. No, you can't hide. I am. I am who I am. He is the same yesterday, today. And he'll be the same tomorrow. How do you not handle our situations in life? Hopefully we handle it by faith and trust. Moses should have the faith and trust because he had God's word telling him, I will be with you. I have sent you. I am sending you. All he asks of us is, to be obedient.
the last but not least. He says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you will say to the I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. I'm the qualifier. I'm the one that's sending you to them. And this is what I want you to remember. What do you want me to remember? What do you want us to remember? This is my name forever. That's my name. I am. Not just because of today, Moses, I'm with you, but forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Just, just from this day forward, I am who I am. That's my name. You know, as Jehovah, Elohim, Yahweh, God. That's my name. Just tell them. They want to know who sent you? Tell them God sent me. Who are you to tell me there ain't nobody? I'm standing here today not because of who I am, but because of who God is. He's told me to say, uh, by the way, this is what you need to tell them. Just tell them. They say, well, who are you, pastor? Who are you, whoever, that's out there trying to give out the word of God and trying to witness to people? Who are you? Billy, I'm a nobody. But God has sent me to you. God told me to come and talk to you. He just always remind you that I am has sent me to you. He is to be remembered by that name forever. We are assured by what God has said. He is remembered by that name forever. All the questioning and the objections of Moses, verses 11 to 13, all of that are answered with lessons on the nature and the character of God. All the questions in verse 11 and 13 that Moses had about this and that and the other, God simply says, this is the answer to all your questions. It is about my nature of who I am, and it's about my character. I'm God. You know God can never lie? It's not in his nature. God doesn't steal. God doesn't lie. God doesn't do it. It's not in his character. It's not a part of who he is. If he says it, you and I can believe it. Yeah, Brother Leo, you're right. You would think churches would be packed, full, because people are realizing, how am I going to make it? We're blessed. You know how I know we're blessed here in Wilmington? I close on this. Have you watched the news and see these lines of people in different parts of our country? Miles long. Cars. Miles, I tell you. It would be like, if, if, if Walmart was the place to dispense all the food for people who do not have food, it would probably stretch to the other side of town past the fairgrounds and beyond. Maybe all, right, all the way out on 22 and 3. That's how long, if not longer, people are waiting hours to get food on their table because they lost their jobs. They don't have money. I haven't seen that here in Wilmington. We've been blessed. 
You've been blessed. I've been blessed. Everybody here had Thanksgiving dinner? Amen. You didn't have to, nobody came to your house and donated anything, did they? You were blessed by God to be able to go buy a little turkey or big turkey, whatever you did. I don't know. And you had your Thanksgiving meal. You did that. That's why you need to say, Lord, thank you. Amen. In one of the articles I wrote for the New Journal, I said, oh, yeah, we got a lot to be thankful for. Oh, yeah. You got food? Thank you, Lord. You have been to the hospital because of COVID? Thank you, Lord. Some of your loved ones, your family, they haven't been there? Thank you, Lord. And we're going to act crazy. We act, we're going to act stupid. I don't get it. We're going to act stupid. We're going to act stupid because somebody says, you know what? The best deterrent for the virus is wearing a mask. I don't want to do it. The stupidity of man. And here's, here's the other thing. People are excited. Reason to be. Well, Pastor, a couple weeks we won't have to wear a mask anymore. Why is that? They got the, they got the vaccine. Mm, negative. No. You ain't going to get the vaccine. You may if you qualify, if you're single citizen, got pre-existing. Pre it's going to be a while. And the doctors are already trying to, they said this back in, in July and August and September. And I said to myself, ain't nobody hearing that. They said, even when the vaccine comes. Somebody asked the question, how long do we got to wear this? How long we got to do this? My mom says that all the time. Oh, I said, well, mom, it's going to be, it's indefinite. Oh, no, can't answer the question. But I already know. You already see it. People will say, the vaccine is here. Hallelujah. And meanwhile, that thing that's indiscriminate is going to move. You ever watch the Ten Commandments, the old version? Remember when the plague of death came in? <laughs> the cinematography of that? Remember, it came like a little black cloud. Was it, what was it? Black or gray, whatever it was. That's when they put, added color to it. They came in, and it was just, just, and they just put low to the ground. They go up to the doors. And remember that? Maybe th that's what I think of sometimes about Christmas. Unless you've got Jesus over the doorpost of your life, that's the only thing that could spare you. Obedience to him. Amen? It's in the character of God to take care of his own. He's got to. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. If I take care of the, the swallows and the birds of the air, how much more will I take care of you? Oh, ye of little faith. Amen. That's why I'm not shook. That's why I can tell people, honestly, they can say, I don't get it. Why? Where's your faith? I said, my faith is as strong today, maybe stronger than it has been because I know God will provide. I know God will take care of. But God gives us common sense. Talked to a pastor friend of mine. He said, his daughter. I said to him, she's older. Well, dad, you just, God's going to take care of us. You need to wear masks. You need to do all that. God's, God, God, God's going to take care of us. 
together with each other. He said, but God also gave us common sense. God also says that um, if they're telling us that wearing a mask is the least we can do to prevent spread and for ourselves and others, then common sense and, and faith is to say, I could wear a mask. I'm only going to wear it for an hour and a half. I'm only going to wear it for 20 minutes that I'm in a grocery store, whatever, when I go to work. Out of the course of my life, that's not a whole lot of time. Because God's God. Why does he have me? Because God just is. Amen. Father, thank you for your word.